The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Shiny. Welcome to Generations Geek, a family-friendly celebration of geekdom by father-daughter primatologists. I'm Scott Pearson, and this is my daughter, Anne Darrow. Hello. And we are two generations of geek. This is episode 7, King Geek, and we'll be talking about King Kong after watching the 1933, 1976, and 2005 versions all in one weekend. So put on your ape suit, because we know you've got one, and let's get on with the show. So, the original King Kong, 1933, black and white, stop-motion animated, classic film. I love it. What about you, Anne? Yeah, I love it. I think it's so effective. The the special effects, although, of course, primitive by today's standards, carry so much emotion. Some of them are scary. Some of them are heartbreaking. Uh, do Do you have a favorite scene in the original? I really love it when they're finding the dinosaurs. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts. And there's some great stop-motion animation there. King Kong's fight with the T-Rex, it's still so effective. He's wrestling around with the T-Rex, and when he really starts getting to the end where he's, like, killing the thing, it kind of makes you go, ooh, you know, that's just brutal. Well, yeah, and then at first you're like, oh, my God, and then... It's almost like he doesn't know what he's done because he, like, picks up the skull and is, like, moving the jaws around like, um, well, okay, but... Yeah, Yeah, it's really quite scary. A lot of people seem to have trouble these days watching black and white movies or watching, you know, the old special effects. The story really is what carries a film. And when you have a classic story and you have what were, you know, fine special effects for the time period, to me... It it totally works. Uh, was there a scene that you found particularly scary, or was there a scene even that didn't work for you, where you thought, oh, that could have been better? Well, you know, after seeing all of the versions in one weekend, it's really just um, that I really do feel like Anne grew attached to Kong, and so um, when she doesn't really react that much at the end when he's... Um, basically, like, committing suicide for her, that always bugs me. Yeah. You know, in some ways, King Kong reminds me of, say, like, the novel and films Frankenstein, where Kong at at first is sort of representing the monster, but as the film goes on, you begin to have a great deal of sympathy for the thing that's like yeah, the monster. It's misunderstood. Yes, and I mean King Kong is just an animal. Do you know he's just he's just a big ape doing what big apes do, and uh, he's not you know he's not being good or bad necessarily. He's just being a wild animal. And the one thing that gets added to the story much more in the remakes is a sense of Anne, or in the second version, Dwan, is the addition of of the the female lead becoming sympathetic and attached to King Kong, even though he's putting her through this nightmarish thing. And so when you go back to the 1933 version, after watching later films, it kind of stands out that you don't really have that moment in the film where Anne connects and at the end when King Kong's being shot up 
you kind of notice that she doesn't really seem to have any sympathy or sorrow. Yeah, she's she's just worried about herself. Yeah. And, you know, not necessarily in a really selfish way, because, come on, I mean, she's... Yeah, she's, she's on top on of the, the Empire State the, Building, the and very... airplanes are shooting at this giant <laughs> ape that took her there. Yeah. But there's some really effective stop-motion animation at the end there, where Kong is being hit, and he's reacting in pain, and he's kind of looking down. He's sort of like puts a hand on his on his chest and it comes away with blood he's kind of looking at it and you you really feel his pain and you feel that sense of of the impending disaster that he's going to fall horribly to his death and it's uh, i find it quite emotional but it's it is missing that one little extra emotional layer that Anne isn't reacting one thing that i think is really worth mentioning about the first film is the nature of the story, of course, is that you have the people from the United States finding the island, and of course there is the indigenous population. And for a film made in 1933, King Kong, the original, is very sensitive in its portrayal of the natives. Yeah, they're really good about it. Yeah, in that time period, the films weren't necessarily very friendly (laughs) in how they portrayed them. There's a tendency to use a lot of stereotypes they try to discuss with them. Yeah, yeah, they try to talk with them before becoming a little bit more aggressive. As they become aware that the native uh, tribe wants to take Anne, then, of course, they start getting defensive and protective. But at first, they're just trying to... Talk with them. Because Carl Denham is hoping to make a fabulous movie. Okay, we have to talk... Dinosaurs, because who loves dinosaurs? We do. Okay, and King Kong, the original, is crawling with dinosaurs. Let's see. List them off, Anne. Brachiosaurus, that looks like a brontosaurus. <laughs> well, I'm, see, I, I really think they were thinking of it as a brontosaurus, probably. But because, it was in the water. Yes, but this was also 1933 paleontology understanding of dinosaurs, so it may not be entirely scientifically accurate. But anyway, list them off. Brachiosaurus looks like a brontosaurus. Mm-hmm. Uh, T-Rex. Okay. Uh, Stegosaurus. Styracosaurus? What was it? No. The Styracosaurus is in the deleted scene. The, right. lo- the lost scene. Yeah. We'll talk about that more later. The lost spider sequence. Then there was also the sort of crawly giant lizard thing. Oh, right. The, with, the, that, with two arms. That came up out of and the... And no legs. Uh, yeah, out of the ravine, crawled where they, up the vine, where they were cha- yeah. where they uh, for the big log sequence when they're dumped off the log. It's in every movie. I love how that log sequence is in every movie. Yeah. Then when Kong gets Anne back to his cave, there's like a plesiosaurus crawling serpent super bendy thing that attacks him there, <laughs> sort of snake like, oh, right, yeah, which ties into the second film, and then the pterodactyls, right, also there at Kong's pad. Hello, MTV, and this is my crib. It's a cave. (laughs) (laughs) So lots of great dinosaur action. The stegosaurus, the guys just shoot. Then they get chased by the brontosaurus slash brachiosaurus kind of thing that comes up out of the water and acts Mm -hmm. like it's a meat eater and chews up people. Then the various uh, fights, the big T-Rex scene, which, you know, there's... There's that great sort of wrestling maneuver where he somersaults over with the T-Rex. That was great. And then, of course, the big pterodactyl sequence, which is then when Anne escapes. I wanted to say one thing about King Kong himself. In the first one, 
He is portrayed in a fairly realistic ape-like fashion. Yeah. His legs are shorter. His arms are longer. The shape of his skull is very ape-like. Yeah. We talked about uh, that in retrospect, it's kind of disappointing that Anne doesn't seem to feel any empathy for Kong. Yeah. But nevertheless, I think that the audience is made to feel very sympathetic for Kong. Those dying moments are very moving. And when he falls, man, it's so sad. But then it's also pretty truncated at the end there. It's like it cuts down for the final scene. Kong's laying there. Carl Denham does the Twas Beauty Killed the Beast. Boom, goes to black. Denham, at least, recognizes what has happened yeah. by his, his comment. Twas Beauty Killed the Beast. It was Kong's uh, love, shall we say, for Andero, whom in the, in the first movie is really played like a pet. Yeah. That's really the relationship that makes the most sense, is that it's kind of a toy slash pet. Is mm-hmm. is what the the uh, the woman that is sort of sacrificed to King Kong? That's kind of the way it comes across to me, particularly in that first film. Okay, now we leap forward over forty years <laughs> to 1976, King Kong remake in color. Instead of stop-motion animation, this time around, we've got a guy in a suit. And the movie's setting has been updated to the 70s. What was your first reaction? Because now this is the first time you've seen this one. You'd seen the original before. Yeah, multiple times before. Many times before. I've seen, I'd seen the 1976 version, actually, in the theater when it came out, because I'm old. But this was your first time. What was your first reaction? Well, I actually did think it was going to be my favorite of them at first. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Well, I don't know. It just, um, it might have been the switch from black and white into color and then just the way, like, the mysteriousness of it. And it started out as a little bit more, like, foggy. Huh? Get it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And creepy. So at first you were thinking, this is going to be my favorite. At first I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then um, Dwan woke up and she was um, kind of trippy. The, yeah, let's back up here. (laughs) This was the introduction of Jessica Lange, her first real film. She went on to become a huge star, Academy Award-winning actress, all that sort of stuff. This was her first film, and I got the sense that they were directing her to try to kind of be this Marilyn Monroe kind of ditzy, blonde kind of stereotype. Yeah. And so... I couldn't tell if they wanted her to be, like... A, like a character that just in general just kind of stares off and doesn't really talk or like whatever and is sort of thinking to herself <laughs> or if they wanted her to act like the stereotypical like blonde girl I think I think it was a combination of them wanting a stereotypical blonde like a Marilyn Monroe kind of character combined with Jessica Lang just doing everything she could 
with what she was given. Yeah. Because I actually think that overall her performance in this is really amazing. Yeah, she's quite a good actress. But, you know, she's saddled with certain limitations of the screenplay that are a, a little bit awkward. Okay, so so it got off to a good start, but then what was your reaction as it as it went further in? It wasn't bad. I just didn't like it as as much as I as I thought I was going to. Yeah. I was kind of surprised seeing it again after all these years and I have to digress a moment and insert a little bit of a story here. I'm not going to tell the entire <laughs> story because it gets a little bit long, but I actually was working in a video store in Duluth, Minnesota, and I knew that Jessica Lang was in town filming a movie. And because she was in town, I kept putting on various movies of hers in the video store when I was working. And one day I was playing this version of King Kong, and who should walk into the video store but Jessica Lang while the movie was playing. In Duluth, Minnesota. In Duluth, in Duluth, Minnesota. And eventually when she was up at the counter buying some videotapes for her daughter, she finally kind of started becoming suspicious of what movie was playing on the screen. And she said, what movie are you watching? And I'd, I'd been trying to play it very cool, helping her, not letting on that I knew that she was a fabulous Academy Award winning actress. And so when she said, what movie are you watching? I said, well, I think you should know. <laughs> so that was the first time I let her know that I knew who she was. And she laughed and said, I didn't think anyone ever watched that movie. But anyway, um, it's a movie that I've had very mixed feelings about over the years for lots of reasons. It wasn't well-reviewed when it came out. It's got some problems. But I was actually surprised at how well it held up to watch it now after all this time because there, there are a lot of good scenes in it and there's a lot of good acting and a lot of good actors in it. However, <laughs> it does have its problems. I think the direction that was given to Jessica Lange for her character is kind of strange. Definitely. And then let's talk about Kong himself. So this time it was a man in a suit. Now, it wasn't a cheap suit. No, no. It was a state-of-the-art makeup suit. Of course, compared to the original Kong, the stop-motion model was made... Uh, in the sort of realistic proportions of legs and arms yep, and stuff definitely. for a uh, an ape of some sort. Here, since they've got a man in the suit, his proportions, his body proportions, were very human-like, and the way he walked was very human-like, upright. But the head and face, for the most part, looked really great. But where I thought they really fell down with the ape, is the, the sets. Now, in the, in the original, the miniature sets for the stop-motion Kong and then the sets for the people really kind of matched, and you really felt that they were in a jungle. Yeah. But in this one, they really didn't put the effort into the large sets for Rick Baker, who was the guy wearing the ape suit. 
they didn't put a lot of effort, I thought, into those sets. And they didn't do a lot of green screen photography to kind of insert him into the the real jungles that the actors were in. So there was this strange disconnect when they would shoot the actors and then you would see Kong and there would just be kind of this boring backdrop to it that didn't look real. And I thought that really was unfortunate. What was your favorite scene? I actually really liked at the beginning when after they find her on like the raft and they're mm-hmm. all giving her like t-shirts and stuff mm-hmm. that she can wear. That was sweet. Um, and then I also really liked when the planes were coming in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, Kong, like, you could see that he kind of, like, figured out what was going on. Oh, you're, um, so you're jumping way to the end now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he put her down. Um, I don't, uh, Probably because he was afraid that he would hurt her by accident or that the planes would hurt her. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Dwan is freaking out and she's like... No, pick me up, pick me up, they're going to kill you, um, yes. or something, and that was really moving. Besides, like, Star Trek Two, this is uh, one of the most emotional movies I'd ever watched, <laughs> because of the Twin Towers, and the entire time I was sitting there, like, curled up in a ball, just, like, staring at them, because, I don't know, I'd never really seen any um, footage of them except for in the actual footage of 9-11 and it was yeah. just really moving um, yeah it, it it that does add a strange was, layer of emotion to the film it wasn't since they, it wasn't i don't know if it was scary i don't know it was really it was really it's, strange it's just kind of eerie i think seeing them so prominently it was really used yeah. in a film now the great thing that this adaptation really added to the story is that in this one the female character, Dwan, in this version, really becomes attached, in a way, to King Kong. And, and yeah, the, in a way, unlike what happened in the original movie at in all. In the original, it's very, it's neutral at best. and doesn't really, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know... But in this one, Dwan it becomes attached to Kong and protective of him, even though... You know, <laughs> he put her through a lot of uh, strange things. Um, I'd like to back up and mention what I thought was one of the weaker points of the film compared to the original, and that was the almost complete lack of other animals. Yeah, there, strange. There is a scene where Kong wrestles with a giant snake. It's kind of reminiscent of the giant strange crawling thing that Kong fights in his cave in the original. Yes. But it was just completely a giant snake. It didn't seem like it was some sort of prehistoric monster or anything. And it really doesn't work that well. You've got the guy in the suit, and then you've got this sort of obvious fake snake. Yeah. And, And so it doesn't work well. And, uh, the interesting thing is they, it plays off the, t-rex scene in the original because he ends up killing it by breaking its jaws and stuff and so it was kind of interesting how they utilized that same bit with this different animal but then after that it's just kong and duan and there aren't any other monsters of any sort and so that kind of drains away some of the drama and excitement that uh, that was in the original one 
it was nice um or nice addition when after he takes Duan from the wall he like puts her down and she starts to run away and he picks her um right back up again and like lifts her all the way up um to his head at like eye level i don't know if it's that second time he takes her or the third time or something but she's like no please i'm not good with heights really and she starts talking <laughs> to him and she's like my dad took me up in the Empire State Building, and I fainted on the elevator. And um, Kong's just kind of, like, watching her talk. Yeah, they do some funny stuff there. And, and and that's another part where I think that Jessica Lange, given a very odd scene to act, nevertheless, really Does a great job. acts the heck out of it. Um, and I also like the, I like how he's kind of training her like a pet. Yeah, because he puts her down, he puts and, her down. and then he picks her up and brings yeah. her back over. So he's just like establishing, no, you can't do that. <laughs> um, but then they do kind of take some of that a little bit too far so that there's almost this weird boyfriend-girlfriend thing. There was a couple of scenes where Kong basically smiles at her. Oh, yeah, that was, that was creepy. And it just looked creepy. It was creepy because it's an ape. And when apes do that, they're like... Yeah, it just... They're being submissive or like... Um, yeah. aggressive, and it was just, like, awkward. That was weird and creepy and awkward and unfortunate. Um, because overall, I think the relationship, so to speak, that they developed between Duan and King Kong was really kind of moving and touching. And certainly when you get to the tragic end, then there it was a lot more emotional. In the original, you feel a certain sympathy for Kong, but it doesn't hit you on the same level that this one does because they take the time to develop a more sympathetic uh, situation. Um, another awkward thing about this one was they had they had the great suit, but then they were, for some reason, the, the production company or the director or whoever was responsible <laughs> got fixated on having to build a full-size King Kong. And yeah. it's it's in there in just like one or two shots once they bring him back to New York and he's in this big cage kind of thing. And they have this sort of giant robot Kong in there that moves very stiffly. And it doesn't cut back and forth you know, with the guy in the suit well at all because they don't even, they don't even really have the same shape. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the guy in the suit moves very realistically obviously and then they cut to this giant thing that's just kind of it's like you can practically hear it going (laughs) as it's moving its arms around very slowly and uh, unconvincingly and they should have just stuck with the guy in the suit the whole time there was there was no need to to build that it moves to its uh, eventual sad ending kong falls to his death oh my gosh and the scene where his body is like on the ground and it's it's a great scene, but his body is on the ground, and these like reporters start like climbing on him and like taking pictures of his face, and it's a good scene, but it drives me completely out of my skull. Yeah, because, because I'm just like, no, don't climb. That's a dead. What are you doing? Yeah, and I, I th- for me, you wouldn't climb on a dead person. Yeah, it's it's disrespectful. It's it's a wonderful it's, scene. It's. Uh, but it makes me angry. You, the audience <laughs> is supposed to. Yeah, the audience has become so sympathetic and with Kong that then it just seems so it's insensitive. Feel that sadness, but I just get angry. I'm just yeah, like, no. It's, it's yeah. You just feel <laughs> nope. 
It's kind of a commentary on the paparazzi almost, you know. It's like, show some respect for this poor guy that's just, you know. But of course, you know, from their point of view, he's just the monster that's been busting up the city, I guess. But He broke Harlem. What, what, what? But no, okay. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Um, Avengers reference. Ah, oh, well, I should have recognized that. Well done, then. (laughs) The Hulk. Breaks Harlem. Last time I was in Harlem, last time I was in New York, I kind of broke Harlem. <laughs> Geeky in joke reference there. Well, well played. You should have. You could have made a reference without knowing it, and you could have been like, "I don't understand that reference," and made a Captain America reference without realizing that you were making. Oh, a reference to the I almost did that ac- completely accidentally. Oh, man, yeah, that would have been. Oh. <laughs> Okay, well now Man. we've we, now we've really digressed. Torturing me. We've we, we've really digressed. So let's bring it back, and and wrap up uh, our discussion on 1976 Kong. What's the best review you can give it? You know, it's 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 not as bad as like you think a it is. B minus. It's not as good as you hope. It's not as or bad like as it, a, like as you think it is. Like a neutral B. Yeah, you have to. You can't really give any Kong movie. A bad rating, but... <laughs> well, yeah, we're predisposed to love Kong, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, an interesting effort from the 1970s, the era of giant bell-bottom pants and, <laughs> and, and one giant ape. <laughs> now we leap forward about another 40 years. 2005, Peter Jackson, fresh off of making... The epic Lord of the Rings trilogy. Ooh. Yep, he can do any movie he wants. He's he's in control of the world at that point, and he decides to do King Kong. Actually, now that I think about it, I seem to recall that he wanted to do King Kong even earlier, and he couldn't get King Kong. And then once he uh, made Lord of the Rings and took over the world, then he could get <laughs> whatever he wanted. So he wanted King Kong. And here's the interesting thing about these three movies. Stop motion, then a guy in a suit, and now, 40 years have passed, now we get a whole new technology, completely CGI. It was was entirely CGI? Uh, Well, I think that there was a, uh, there might have been a giant hand that was made, (laughs) or or, something like that, but (laughs) yeah, generally, all CGI all the time. I remember, I remember, um, was it 2005? 2005 was when it was released. I remember you and mom going to see it. And I remember talking to you and I was like, do you think I can see it? And you were like, oh no, <laughs> not, not for a while. Yes. And I was like, oh, Be- but I want to see it. Because at that time I'd, I'd probably already seen the original King Kong movie. I, right? Perhaps. Yeah. Because but I, I remember really wanting, really wanting to watch it really bad. But I knew like, that I don't the, think so. And then it was just a couple of years before I was like, yeah, no, we're going to watch I this. knew that the bugs would be too much for I you. I don't like large bugs, small bugs. <laughs> I was in, I'm not even, I'm not even that girly. I was in a pet store today and there was this baby tarantula in, I mean, it was kind of girly because I was cooing over it like it was a baby. But I mean, it was a tarantula. <laughs> so what are the New Zealand, uh, like giant cricket beetles? called uh wettas those freak me out the wettas yeah Man, those are big if i found one of those on my leg i was just like well you know i you, you remember the first time i showed you the film them 
Uh, them? Yeah, we watched we watched them about the giant ants that like take over what's it? Classic nineteen fifties. Yeah. Sci fi film. It's it's a, it's a wonderful movie. Um, but it is about giant ants taking over a city and eating people. And I perhaps I, showed I that to you when you were a little bit too young. Handle it at all? I think we got through the entire thing because I thought, you know, well, this is scary, but you know, like whatever. I'll... No, I don't. The first time we didn't make it. Through. I didn't. No. Oh, okay. Well, Movies. I went to go to bed and refused to turn my light off, and then sat um, in in my bed uh, facing my door the entire night because I was sure that a giant ant was going to come <laughs> busting through it. We have, of course, digressed as we tend to do. Let's, let's bring it back to King Kong. So this remake, here's what I, one of the things I like about it, takes it back to the original time period of the first film. So even though it's got the state-of-the-art CGI special effects, we're seeing 1930s New York brought to life again. Very cool. What's your favorite thing about Peter's version? I really love the ship. I love ships in general, but but that ship. The ship scenes are done very well when they the come to Skull Island. The moment when they first and... see what's his face, the kid yells out "Wall!" and just like "Ah!" Taking their cue from the 1976 version, they kicked it up a notch and and really worked with the emotional attachment that builds between Ooh, no, you know Anne part is? and Kong. What? Um, when she is like cartwheeling and stuff <laughs> for Kong. I'm using and him, yes. And she's like doing her show from... Um, her vaudeville show. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts. But it's a I very love, fun scene. I love when um, it, it's a shot, like bird's eye view on the crow's nest and the ship is like turning because it's like waves and stuff because yeah. it's island and the crow's nest just like bends all the way over and is over the water. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be up there. Yeah. Oh, that yeah makes Freaks me shiver. The, I'd be freaked out, but I'd be like, oh, love it. One of my favorite scenes is we've seen Anne, you know, so Kong comes and gets her. Oh, you know what? Let's backtrack. To the natives? To the natives. E- talked, we talked earlier about the sensitive portrayal, the surprisingly sensitive portrayal of the natives in the 1933 film. In the 1976 film, fairly comparable treatment of the uh, indigenous population. And then we get to Peter Jackson. So here you have the most modern film. You would expect it to have the most modern sensibilities. But instead... It's the opposite. It's kind of the opposite. It's awful. They're all like slimy and like covered in piercings that don't need to be there. Yeah. He and makes them so completely evil and scary. aggressive and hostile, and not just like yeah. In the original movie, they were just like doing their thing, and then they just talked to the people, tried to talk to them, but no, they're immediately they. The first time they see them is when they're like luring them in to trap them. Yeah, and then they just start like killing people, and for no reason, just and like they stabbing. Never, yeah, they never establish. That they want Anne. There's nothing that really makes it clear yeah. that that every once in a while they you know give the sacrifice or whatever, and yeah. and so they don't know that they, they want kind of, Anne. They, they grab her, but they grab everyone else. But too, they grab everyone, and they're yeah. kind of like they kind of separate her from them, but not really, not enough to not, make it 
super obvious that they want her. Like because in the in, original movie and the 76, they tried to... Trade. Yeah. They were like, we want her and we'll give you six of our women. Yeah. And, and, and so it was... For the golden one. It was very clearly established. So then, then it l- leads to another problem in this one that when they go back to the ship and then the natives come and kidnap Anne, when uh, Jack finds the necklace that's fallen off yeah, the he native, finds, yeah, he, he, finds he finds the, the necklace, necklace, and right away he says, Anne! But when that line was spoken in the previous films, it was because you knew that the natives had wanted yeah. Anne, and so you, you'd made that It was easy de- to make leap. the jump, yeah. yeah. It was kind of it, so could, was it could be kind of believable that he would just be concerned. It's like there are natives on the boat and they killed people, and he would be yes, concerned about yeah. her. But like, but it, it doesn't work as well yeah. as in the original, or I should say, in the first two films, where you knew that they wanted Anne, and and I mean, and the characters knew that they wanted Anne. After Kong takes her, and it starts developing the sort of pet relationship between the two, a little bit more similar to the first one in that regard, but. Anne's trying to escape, trying to escape, trying to escape. It's going through well, all this she crazy gives up stuff. After a while, and is like sleeping she, on his hand. Well, you see, for me, the the key point in in developing the relationship there is with the T Rex. Oh yeah, the fighting. They're kind of they, the 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 script refers to them as V Rex because they're like not exactly and Tyrannosaurus like Rex. Up they're and... yeah, but during that sequence, there's a scene where she makes the decision, I have to be with Kong. He's my protector. It's very, yeah, because she's running away from him this entire time, and he's, like, fighting these creatures off that are trying to hurt her, and she's running and just freaking out. And then after a while, they get down to, like, this valley, almost. And um, she's standing there, and she's kind of in between this uh, V-Rex. There you go, Peter Jackson. Um, (laughs) And King Kong. And she is, like, standing there, like, oh, my God because there's a giant dinosaur and a giant ape but she figures well Kong has kind of been fighting for me this whole time so she like runs over and stands underneath him yeah, and the she... V-Rex is like oh no you didn't but <laughs> but she makes a choice she makes a very clear choice to to side with Kong she recognizes that she is safer with Kong and and from that point forward it, it changes she the interaction more yeah she still doesn't necessarily want to be carried around to the jungle uh, by the giant ape, but there's there's a, an extra layer of emotion that's uh, of complexity just, that's developed there. I need to talk there. about how when because they're kind of falling and like in vines, Kong and the T Rex mm-hmm. and Anne, and he like bites off one of the T Rex's tongues. Well, that's at the bottom. That's after they get after, to the at bottom. the bottom. It's so unnecessary. And I talk about it every time we watch the movie or talk about the movie, but I... Yes. Well, this was, a, this was a good time then to talk about Peter Jackson's need to always turn things up just a little bit I too love, far. I love his movies, but... I, I'm, I'm a, a little, I, I a count little, myself a fan. A little bit. But he's always trying to, to turn things up just that extra notch, and he tends to go a couple more. Uh, everything gets blown up huge. The first movie had one T-Rex, so this has to have three T-Rex. The first movie had one brontosaur, brachiosaurus thing. Brachios- brachiosaurus and that so looked like then, brontosaurus. So then this one had to have a 
herd of them. And not only is it a herd, but then there's also the raptors <laughs> yeah. that are running around. And so you're watching these guys run around underneath a herd of dinosaurs, plus the raptors. It's just uh, totally over the top. Then another great example of the over-the-top stuff is one of your least favorite scenes. They're falling through all these vines and stuff down into a canyon. And, you know, they're, like, fighting and, like, trying to grab each other, but they can't really grab each other. And so they're, like, like clashing together and, like, fighting and then, like, coming apart. And at one point, like, the V-Rex's mouth is open and Kong just kind of, like, bites his tongue off. And the tongue goes, like, flying out and, like, <laughs> flops around and hits the ground like a dead fish. <laughs> I, do we really see it hit the ground? I don't yeah, know. I think you're exaggerating, but... It was unnecessary. It really was. What I did like, though, is that then when he finally dispatches that V-Rex, it sort of replays the a lot of the T-Rex scene from the original. Yeah, he... He's wrestling with the it. jaw, yeah. Breaks the jaw, sort of flops the jaw around. Perhaps one of the most over-the-top sequences is in the spider pit scene. Although there's not really spiders. I, I See, that refers to, in the original film, there's a famous scene, the lost spider sequence, when Kong shakes the guys off the log. They fall down into this ravine, and at the bottom, they're attacked by some giant bugs. Now, that whole sequence is missing from the original film. Mm-hmm. But Peter Jackson had some fun. There's a fun extra if you get the two-disc special edition of the original film. There's a documentary about the making of the film, and Peter Jackson and his team of special effects guys remade that sequence with stop-motion animation. They followed the original script, so you kind of are able to watch and get an idea of what it would have been. So there's a few strange creatures down there that attack the guys. So, in Peter Jackson's version, he includes that sequence, but of course, way over the top, dozens and dozens and dozens of various creepy giant bugs. Whatchamacallons, the creepy New Zealand Wettas. Wettas. There's things that look like wettas, only giant. They're like the size of poodles. I... I can't even handle wetas when they're their normal size. Because they're big for for an insect. They're they're like They're a handful. Yeah, they're like they're like the size of your fist. Yeah. And they freak me out. <laughs> and then there's the giant slug things that I think are also Yeah. over the top. But there is a scene that you like. When Andy Circus's character, um his like friend kind of, like, fell off the log and died from the fall. A slug thing comes up and acts like it's gonna go after the body of the guy. And Andy Circus is like, um, I don't think so, and uh, <laughs> takes a sword and starts to hack at it, and I liked that part. Yeah, that was a nice touch. It was a very emotional scene. And we should give a shout-out to Andy Circus. Because, yeah. Because he played King Kong... And then he had a live-action role as well, as opposed to his CGI motion capture role as Kong. And he, of course, is also the guy who plays Gollum in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And then he also plays uh, Caesar in the new uh, Planet of the Apes movies, because he's cornered the market he on motion capture Caesar. performance. He's, he's the guy. One of the cool scenes on the island that is 
very similar to the first one, is Kong does bring Anne back to his special cave. And then there's, like, these giant, weird bat creatures. Yeah, like bat pterodactyl Yes, but, but that kind of plays off the uh, scene in the original where when they're back at the cave, uh, they get attacked by pteranodons or pterodactyls or something. And so that's a nice echo of the original that, of course, all that stuff was missing in the 1976 version, which didn't have anything other than the one giant snake. Of course, eventually they escape, and Kong is captured, and they go back to New York, and then that's where a a lot of the emotional payoff comes. What did you think of the little winter sequence, they're slipping around on the lake, the frozen pond? Oh, I don't know. I really like that. I, it does remind me of every romantic comedy ever. <laughs> well, yeah, it it kind of is, but it's this really interesting interlude where there's been all sorts of violence and stuff going on because King Kong had to break out and escape. I guess, yeah, it's it's kind of nice. I just found it, I mean, and it's kind of creepy Anne. that she's like, that they're like, I don't know. And but they're friends. I yeah, at this I... at this point they've basically become friends. And they're running through Central Park and he slips on this on a frozen pond, and then they're, they're, he's he's playing in the snow. It's another scene where the audience is really allowed to relate to King Kong as you know almost a person, which then just makes it that much more shocking than when the shells start coming in and the army is back yeah, after him trying to kill him. It's nice, I guess. I just I don't know. And then of course it eventually gets back to the Empire State Building, and you move toward the inevitable tragic end which in this film is that much more emotional than even the 1976 film because they really draw out the tragedy and the sadness of what happens to Kong as those planes come in, don't you think? Definitely. So, we've gotten through 1933, 1976, 2005. What do you think, comparing the three comparing and contrast which is your favorite of the three at the beginning of the 76 version i thought that was going to be my favorite but it wasn't obviously <laughs> it's hard for me to choose it's actually hard for me yeah. to choose between the original and the 2005 version um because it, whenever i watch the original it just seems like there should be more development between Anne and kong yep. and so i that is just, a weakness so when you when you watch it now after seeing the other films, then it has this layer that seems to be missing that you wouldn't necessarily yeah if, it when seems you see like it something's missing it yeah. doesn't yeah if you when you see it the first time if you haven't seen the other films you don't notice it but after you see those other films then it's noticeable that it's missing that extra bit of emotion I I love the first one classic movie the second one has a lot of problems but some great performances. And then the third one, I I love how realistic King Kong is. He looks like a real giant silverback gorilla. I love some of the emotional stuff, but I wish that Peter Jackson would just reel things in a little bit here and there. I wish there was someone that he needs an editor to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) To say, say, Peter, you don't need three V-Rexes. You don't need three. You don't need a herd. You don't need... You don't need two V-Rexes. 
But we can't just talk about the three main versions of the film because there's all sorts of stuff around the edges of Kong. Like, like, for instance... Like my favorite Xbox game ever, based on Peter Jackson's movie. Like, the Amped Up movie was worth being able to have this Xbox game. It's fun because it it has sort of a puzzle aspect to it, where to find your way through the various ruins on the island and, and get past the dinosaurs... Yeah, and you have... You have to do stuff in very specific order and but figure things out. But you have unlimited lives, kind of. So um, if you die, you'll just start back up at the beginning of that level you were on. Yeah. And so it's it's really nice, and it's not... So even... Oh, it's just yeah. it's like worth buying an even original Xbox for the game. Even though some of the sort of puzzle-like aspects are very challenging, it doesn't get really, really frustrating because you know that you pretty much have those infinite lives. Mm -hmm. Another cool thing about the game is that you start out being Jack Driscoll, but then later in the game you also get a chance to be King Kong. Yeah, so you get to swing along things and like punch pterodactyls. Yeah, that's really cool. That's so much fun. And then to, to wrap things up, I just want to briefly talk about some of the other King Kong movies. Which I haven't seen. Which, well, you've seen Son of Kong. Have I? But I think you just have forgotten because it's been so many years. You only watched it once. But the original film had a sequel. Son of Kong is much more a kid's movie, much more sort of cutesy kind of stuff with the little Kong because he's not, he's Son of Kong. He's not full grown. Oh, why don't I remember that? But it's, it's, a, it's a fun movie for what it is. Then the 1976 version had a very unfortunate sequel called King Kong Lives. And I say unfortunate because it has the most improbable setup because, well, it says so in the title, King Kong Lives. They retcon it so that King Kong didn't die after being shot to pieces and falling all the way off the World Trade Centers. No, he's just been in a coma. And then he's revived with like open heart surgery. (laughs) <laughs> it's ridiculous. King Kong has been used in lots of other things. There was a King Kong versus Godzilla. There was even an animated TV series, I believe. But the movies that you have to see, the original classic stop-motion film, you really have to, if you like the first one, then you definitely have to see Peter Jackson's version. The middle one, that's more for real <coughs> Kong fanatics. <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have. Tune in next month for episode 8, Destination Geek. We'll be interviewing our very special guest, scientist and astronaut Thomas D. Jones. Plus, we'll be asking questions you, our listeners, submitted on Facebook. Remember that Generations Geek is a part of the Chronic Rift Network, which broadcasts from the International Space Station. Please give their other fine podcasts a listen at chronicrift.com. And please follow Generations Geek on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and check out our website at generationsgeek.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny.